0: In Episode 9, Patrick and Cyprian explore the BB84 protocol. Topics covered include an overview of cryptography, one-time pads, existing key distribution methods, and how quantum computing could change the landscape surrounding the security of sharing information. Welcome to Entangled Things, your quantum computing podcast, hosted by Patrick and Cyprian.
1: Good morning, Cyprian. How are you doing today? Good morning. Very well. Thank you. And you, Patrick? Pretty good. I'm, I'm very happy to, that today we're talking about a subject that I um, I find very interesting. We're talking about the BB84 protocol, um, which is for, for quantum key distribution. So, an, another security mm-hmm. topic.
2: Not to be confused with its uh, fairly well known counterpart, BB8, which is the droid from Star Wars, right?
1: <laughs> my, my grandson. Uh, has has not let me forget that. Yes, he, it's his favorite thing in the world. I think um, it's um, it's not nearly as lovable, but I think it's it's very very interesting once you understand the the basics. So today is the first of our topic episodes. So up till now, um, as our listeners will will probably discern themselves, we spent the first few episodes, uh, six or seven, uh, six episodes actually, going through the basics, going through uh, an overview. Of quantum as it exists today, and we may redo those those episodes in the future after a year or so to um, to refresh them. But then our last episode, uh, uh, then our episode after that was the interview, and occasionally we're going to intersperse interviews with these topic uh, episodes. And topic episodes, the goal is to take a topic, dissect it, dig into it a little bit, give people the the um, give them the cliff notes on the topic. And then, um, you know, make them bite-sized treats, if you will. And today, it's BB-84. So, back in 1984, Charles Bennett and Giles Broussard came up with a mechanism, a a protocol, if you will, that allowed two people to exchange one-time pads. So, let me, if you'll indulge me, I'll do a little bit of a soliloquy here on what that all means. So, If you're familiar with the World War II encryption battles, a one-time pad is where you have random values, usually numbers or letters, that you use to encrypt a message. And if you only use the pad once, then it is an unbreakable code. It cannot be broken because there's no way to do any kind of analysis on the messages because there's only one message. And so... What would happen is you'd distribute one-time pads to your spies, they would use the first page on the first message, the second page on the second message, and this way they would their messages would always be unencryptable. But it required that that handoff of the pad. So we need a protocol to do this key distribution in the modern world, in the quantum world. And so we need a way for us to, in semi-public spaces, to exchange information in a way that guarantees that only we can make use of it, that it's a one-time pad for us. And so Bennett and Broussard came up with a mechanism that I think is pretty elegant. And there's newer mechanisms that rely on uh, superposition that we'll talk about at other times, but um, but today we're going to talk about this one. So am I? in this case, you're my guardrails, um, Cyprian. Do you agree with everything I've said so far?
2: Well, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's also important to... to to let our listeners know that uh, quantum key distribution is one of the important fields of the more general field of quantum cryptography, just to kind of set the context, right, which is the the science of exploiting the the properties of of the quantum world to perform various cryptographic tasks. And uh, I think uh, in addition to uh, encryption and decryption, the exchange of keys is probably one of the most, the secure exchange of keys is probably one of the most difficult tasks that uh, we've always faced in cryptography, right, Patrick? Correct. Yeah, it's, it's, um,
1: it's that if that process is intercepted, then all is lost. Then, then the bad guys get to listen into our messages. Um, but what if we could use the weirdness of quantum effects to the benefit so that we could even in public view do a lot of these operations. In other words, what if the security of the algorithm could withstand an interceptor, someone who's watching the process or even intercepting what I'm sending you. So let's look at how BB 84 would do this because it's, I think it's fascinating. Um, So I need to send Cyprian a message. And let's say, Mm -hmm. I think that if I had a thousand bits I could send him the messages that I need to send the message the information I need to send him securely, so first, I need to establish that thousand bits, so we need a bit of a setup here so let's say that we have a um a connection where I can send photons to Cyprian to you Cyprian, and through this this cable it's probably a fiber optic cable um, I'm going to send you photons and what I'm really going to do is send you an entangled um, photon that that I keep the the other pair with me. And so I take two photons, I entangle them, and then I send you one, and I I to keep the other. Now, without getting too deep into it, we need to talk about what that means. So, if if I entangle two photons, and I send you one, and I Apply a vertical horizontal orientation and read my photon. You know, evaluate it. If I look at it, the state, the superposition state, collapses to either vertical or horizontal, and we can we can say that vertical is a, a zero and horizontal is a one, or or vice versa. Now, when I read that bit and you read your subsequent bit, my understanding is that we, I will get if I get a one you'll get a zero. And that is predictable that is always the case and that is because of the entanglement. Am I am I getting that right?
2: Well, yeah, that's that's actually one of the very weird things in 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 the world of quantum, right? This amazing property of entangled particles. In our particular case, this is a a special uh, state of of quantum that is usually uh, achieved by using a specialized quantum gate in in modern quantum computing. And basically, yes, this is the behavior that uh, you are uh, expecting from uh, qubits that are in an entangled uh, state. And what's even interesting, I would add, is it doesn't really matter what is the distance those uh, uh, entangled particles are separated by. There mm-hmm. have been already experiments even with uh, thousands of kilometers, setting them apart thousands of kilometers, and it's already proven that it's worse. The theory says that even if they are at the opposite sides of the known universe, the behavior would be absolutely the same. Yeah, Einstein called it spooky action at a distance.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and we we named our podcast after it, so it it has to be important. Um, So, what I the thing that I've noticed in my travels and 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 travels is that most people gloss over the fact that if I read a one and you read your bit qubit in or your your photon in an in the same orientation, you will get the opposite value and not the same value. I think a lot of A lot of writings, even some classes I've seen will gloss over the fact that it's the opposite value that you'll read reliably. And so this is important for implementations of BB84 because if I'm getting that right, that means that if we're trying to build up a set of bits to be our one-time pad, we have to agree ahead of time if we're going to record the value I read or the value you should read. Because that'll make a difference. That'll make a huge difference in whether we uh, understand the same values or we have an opposite uh, binary string. Because what's going to result from this is we're both going to have a binary string of a thousand, a thousand bits, and from that, that's going to be our one-time pad that we can then communicate with in an encrypted manner. So let me just see if I got that straight, though, because. Is it your understanding as well that it's the opposite value that you're going to read if our, if we both read the entangled bits in the
2: proper way? Yep, Yeah. Entanglement works that that way, yep. and that's simply because of 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 the way the, the 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 gate works in uh um in modern quantum quantum computing, right? Right. It's uh you always get like uh the orthogonally opposite values. So if you are a zero, you get a one. If you have a plus, you get a minus and and so forth.
1: And I understand that a lot of treatises and a lot of articles and a lot of explanations are ignoring that, but it's important to understand. Okay, so I'm going to try not to, I'm going to try not to ignore that too often, uh, maybe to the point of being annoying. Okay, so let's say that we're going to agree that whatever bit you read, you're going to take the opposite because you're going to try to, replicate what I read. You're going to try to replicate that. So, so let's f- from, for the rest of this conversation, let's assume that we've, you've, you understand that step and we don't have to address it again. Okay. So I send you a photon and I read, I, I, I read the photon when I read it in the vertical horizontal orientation and you receive that photon. And then I take the next photon and send it to you. And I read it in the diagonal orientation so it's either going to be to the right or to the left diagonally and let's say I randomly choose those orientations diagonal versus um rectilinear is is what we call the vertical and horizontal if we want to want to get mathematical on it uh, but I va- i randomly basically do that now here's a funny thing about it if I read the value the same way you do in other words if I send you the the photon and I read it up and down side to side and you read it the same way, then we get the benefit of the entanglement and we will have the correct understanding of each other's values and we can record the same bit. So if I record a one, you can record a one. If I record a zero, you can record a zero. However, if either one of us, if, if, if one of us re- measures, up and down, side to side, and the other red red, um, red, and the other one reads diagonally: the value that y- you get will be random and not correlated to my value. And that sounds like that would be a problem, but it's actually a, a value add for the way BB84 is designed. So when I send you photons, I randomly pick an orientation to. Evaluate them, either up and down, side to side, or diagonally. And you, when you receive those, you also randomly pick up and down, side to side, or diagonally. And so what happens is, let's say I send you 4,000 photons. And I randomly, let's say I decide to do them all um, diagonally. I'm just, you know... Just by, by, by a random chance, 4,000 times the coin flip came up heads, and I re- measured every single one of them diagonally. And you randomly picked, and half of them were diagonally, and half of them were, you know, recti- rectilinearly. So that means that half of our bits are garbage and aren't, aren't going to match up. Now, what we do at this point is over a public channel. In the in the broad square, we, it doesn't have to be a secure space. We share how we measured, and so I tell you I measured everything diagonally, and you tell me I measured diagonally rectilinearly diagonally rectilinearly diagonally rectilinearly, and so we now throw away all of the bits that resulted from um, us not measuring the same way. Now that thwarts a man in the middle in a very big way. And we'll talk about that in a couple minutes. But but is everything clear? Is that still making sense? I know you know this stuff, Cyprian. Yeah,
2: maybe one my thing to, to add here, Patrick, when we talk about the side-to-side vertically or diagonally, maybe we just uh, need to remind our audience that uh, basically a quantum system has what we call a base, a set of base states. And that is not unique. With any quantum system, even with a simple qubit, you can choose different so-called base states, and then the results of the measurement will be different depending on the base that you choose for for the measurement, and what you are right. referring to, side to side measurement, vertical or diagonal, is for example a specific choice of these bases that is typically used when information is sent using uh, photon polarization. Just to uh, kind of make sure that the our listeners uh, uh, correctly map this 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 language into the very simple definition of a quantum system for for, uh, a a qubit. So what you're actually saying here is that each one of us randomly chooses the base which uh, we use for the measurement. And then afterwards, we publicly exchange the information not about the results of the readings, but about the base that we have chosen each time to do the measurement. Correct. And so, and we can do
1: that in a public square. We can do that in a public way um, because it's too late to interfere with those measurements. So I'll, I'll talk about a couple of scenarios once we get through the protocol itself, um, where implementations of this could be flawed and and result in, in a, bad, um, a bad way for the reader, but where it is provably secure if it's implemented correctly. Okay. So now you and I have We've sent 4,000 um, photons. We've compared, and statistically, half of them should come back as we read them the same way. Just if, if, if I'm reading it, if the orientation I'm choosing to read it and the orientation you're choosing to read it are, if there's only two choices, and there could be old, other choices. There could be additional choices. It's, mm-hmm. it's just that we pick rectilinearly and diagonally because those suit our purposes um but those we're limiting ourselves to those two choices about half of the time on a random coin flip we're going to we're going to agree so we throw out re- typically half of the bits because we didn't agree um then the other 2000 that are remaining we could we then exchange i say okay sh- send me um the every prime bit or every other bit every even bit and we can compare and now we can get an error rate and we can say okay um we're gonna we're gonna look at every we're gonna share in public every even bit and we say that our our two bit agreed our four bit agreed our eight bit agreed our sixteen bit didn't agree our sixty four bit didn't agree and we can come up with an error rate and if that error rate is within a margin of error then we can conclude that we the the rest of our data the, the, the bits that remain, the ones we didn't use to compare notes, are accurate enough for us to exchange the message. Okay. Now, if there's a bit that we're using for our pad that's wrong, one letter might be wrong in the message, which isn't usually enough to, to make the message unintelligible. But if the error rate is very high at this point, then it points to the fact that someone was probably intercepting or listening to our conversation. And trying to be a man in the middle. And I'll explain how that, that's detected in a minute. So in the end, I've taken 4,000 bits, 4,000 protons, entangled them, sent them to you, evaluated them randomly, you evaluated randomly, compared how we evaluated them, limited our list to about half, roughly, statistically. And then we took an up to another half of them to compare publicly to make sure that our error rates were within the normal bounds. And then we use what's left as our as our one-time pad. It's a set of bits that only you and I should know. And it's a set of bits that we can uh then use as a one-time pad for the message, and then we discard and do it all over again. And that's the BB84 algorithm. Okay. So what could go wrong? Well, let's say somebody, so our our sound engineer, Aaron Thielker. Is is uh he he trends towards evil, so I'll use him as an example. Um he he wants to eavesdrop and see what we're talking about because we're we're plotting what we're gonna get him for his birthday. And so he gets in the middle of our transmission of the quantum bits. And that means he's intercepting the photons. So I send a photon that I measure rectilinearly, and he receives it as the man in the middle. And um, what 's he do with it? Well, he can read it,
2: but what happens if he reads it Cyprian? well uh and by reading obviously we we understand uh performing a measurement right and right. this is where uh this this uh very interesting property uh another property of the quantum world, which is the collapse of the of the state uh, happens so if anybody else makes a measurement right on 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 these qubits on these on these photons there is a very high degree of risk that that particular qubit uh will be disturbed right the 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 state will be will be collapsed so if anybody else than me performs a measurement we actually can learn about that right because
1: the way i think of it is the chances of you destroying the qubit destroying the entanglement is high and 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 we'll we'll call it we'll say it approaches one that it's it's gonna happen so there's two approaches that that the interceptor could use they could receive the the, the font photon from me they still have to randomly choose how to read it and there's only a 50 percent chance they're going to pick the match way to read it that i did um once they evaluate it they then have to rebroadcast it to you, and they have two choices. They can send the photon to you that they've already measured and hope that it's it maintains fidelity, which is a very gl- limited hope and a, probably not a good one. Or what they can do is they can take the value they got, they can entangle another pair of photons, measure, and then… Make sure that the photon they have mimics uh, that they're going to send you mimics what they think you would have gotten from me, and then send it along. The problem with that is there's a fifty percent chance that they are wrong. That in two ways, there's a fifty percent chance they're wrong in how they measured, and it doesn't measure the way it doesn't match the way I measured, which makes their reading random. And 50% fifty likely to be wrong. And there's also a 50% chance that, um, that you're going to pick a different orientation. And so they've doubled the number of um, instances where 50% error rate is included. And so you end up with a 75% error rate when someone is in the middle or something close to 75%, even if they get lucky, versus a 50% error rate. And that's detectable. That's that's something that we will pick up when we compare our bits. When we compare our bits and we find out that instead of 2,000 of our measurements and our bits being the same, or 1,000 of them being, most of them being the same, if half of them or 75% of them are wrong, we know someone's been listening in the middle and we have to abort our process and try again under a better uh, circumstances. And so the, it doesn't prevent the bad guy from spoiling our key distribution, but it prevents us from moving forward with um, an unsecure um, sharing of keys.
2: And what also is very interesting here and uh, what I love about the application of, of quantum in these types of cryptography processes is making measurement is the only choice that a man in the middle has because we have a famous theorem in the world of quantum called the no cloning theorem, and maybe we'll discuss about this a little bit later, Mm -hmm. which actually says that that man in the middle attacker is not capable of copying qubits, right? Correct. Only performing measurements. So there is no way that somebody could just silently intercept the information and create copies of those uh, photons, for, for example, and then go on with the attack, because that is something that is just simply not possible in the world of, of of quantum. And this is where the no cloning theorem plays a very, very important role. So their only choice is if they want to really attack us is to perform measurements. And then the performance of those measurements will result in an error rate that would be high enough for the two of us to detect. And then our choice is simply to stop and start all over again until we get to a communication between the two of us, which kind of falls, whose error rate falls below a certain threshold that that the two of us has previously agreed on. And that's what's the beauty of, of, of all this. It's not that we are protecting the communication environment, it's that we can very easily understand or learn about any potential man-in-the-middle attack, and then we just abort the current attempt and, and start a brand new one. Correct. And there's no, al- there's no analogy here with classical bits.
1: Classical bits can be copied. Can't, if I communicate to you and I send you the bits, you can make a copy of those bits and send them along without any problem. So this is a unique mechanism that's brought to us by leveraging the strangeness of the quantum world. And so there's probably a lot of other, uh, some that we've already discovered and we'll talk about in future episodes, but there's, there's probably millions of other applications of these unique qualities of, of the quantum world that are just waiting for someone, maybe one of our listeners to come and like uniquely leverage to do something really, really wild with.
2: Yep. Yep. And then maybe another thing to to add here, Patrick, is once we get to that final uh, step where we have uh, a chain of, of, of bits, uh, uh, a list of bits that we uh, uh, agree upon, right? There are a couple of additional techniques that can be applied. Uh, two of them, the most uh, Common ones are information reconciliation and privacy amplification, which allows us to create a number of shared secret keys starting from those bits that uh, kind of passed the rule of of having the the error level below a certain, a certain threshold so there is some some additional work that can be done over, over there um, based on, on these forms of, of, of error correction uh, and reducing partial information that then allows us to get to the actual form of those shared secrets.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very big universe of, of mechanisms that is going to be combined to make quantum encryption bulletproof. And And a big part of that is uh, this quantum key distribution problem. and this is this was developed in 1984. It's old. There's new versions that use uh, superposition as opposed to pol- polarization uh, that Bennett was actually participating in as well and um, And we'll talk about those uh, in in future episodes because each of them re- deserves a bit of a deep dive.:
0: Thank you for listening to Entangled Things. This week's episode is sponsored by Pulsar Security. Introducing Sonar, Wi-Fi security as a service. With Wi-Fi being available in most corporate networks, it is imperative companies know what devices are broadcasting within range or authenticating to the corporate network. With Sonar, you'll receive alerts, monthly reports, and access to our team to uncover and help fix your Wi-Fi security weaknesses. Sonar, protect your data. Visit sonar.com. Dot pulsarsecurity.com slash entangled to learn more.
1: Uh what what I always track is what are the militaries and the 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 big superpowers in quantum are um the the militaries of the superpowers, you know the biggest powers, the United States, China, maybe Russia, but I don't hear much about them. And then there's the, the 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 commercial powers, which is Google and IBM and Microsoft, uh, et cetera. So in this space, the, 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 the one of those behemoths that's spending the most, or seems to be doing the most with quantum key distribution and quantum encryption is China. And they're, they're, they're boasting that they have a quantum communications network, uh, for key distribution that is over a a thousand miles long. I think it's, um, I think it's I think it's over 1000 miles it's certainly over 1000 kilometers and they keep build, building that. They've also said that they have a quantum um communication through satellite. And so there, there's not a lot of detail on exactly what that means and and because it's the military I wouldn't expect it to be crystal clear uh but they're the ones to watch in this space even though uh these early innovations were were done mostly in the west uh mm-hmm. both but to, uh from the US and Broussard is from France.
2: Yeah, and it also, I, I think uh, we can mention the fact that that as of today, right, there are uh, already even uh, companies that offer um, services around around these types of uh, uh, of of uh, uh, implementations, right? So you can already. Uh, Kind of buy services of key distribution or secrets distribution um, based on 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 these types of, of of techniques. And if my memory serves well, I think the first ever proof of of a successful implementation of an exchange of secure keys was back in two thousand and eight, um, where uh, uh, an implementation of BB uh, eighty eighty four. Basically um, allowed the the exchange of uh, at a rate of around ten kilobits per second of of this secure uh, information, uh, and ever since 2008, this has been uh, gradually improved. And I'm not talking now about the military, which you already mentioned, Patrick. That's that's a. Uh, uh, a very kind of separate and clear domain. I'm talking here about publicly acknowledged uh, uh, information. And what has happened since then, we saw the 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 length of the fiber optic uh being significantly uh increased like getting to lengths that would vary uh, f- uh from uh, uh 2000 to almost 2500 um, uh kilometers and even uh i know of a case of bb84 that was successfully um, implemented over satellite links uh to To ground uh, uh, to ground station, uh, so there there are quite a number of of already like commercial applications. I know of at least uh, three companies um, that are offering commercial quantum key distribution systems around around the world. Like there's a company from Geneva called ID Quantique. There is uh, Magic Technologies, which is a company from from New York. And there is a company called QNAU Labs from India that also offers these these kinds of of, of of services. And probably there are there are many more that do it. So
1: you make me think of a very interesting um, controversy or, or strategy. So we have the militaries trying to do their thing and trying to out outshine each other and out innovate each other. Um, but are they really ever going to be able to keep up with the commercial interests? So the U.S. has designed, has decided years ago to get out of the rocket building business and allow commercial interests to build it better, cheaper, and just support them with money. And so that's why we have, you know, SpaceX and and so much, and this boom in the um, commercial space for space travel. Um, we see kind of the same thing in quantum. Quantum. It, as you mentioned most of the innovators that we see most of the big breakthroughs are happening in the commercial space and so i don't know whether these militaries can innovate as fast as these commercial spaces and so will will the militaries continue to be players i'm sure they will they're spending enough but i don't know that they're going to be able to lead the way they did the way they did in the uh, cold war days
2: yeah, i think that's that's a very very interesting phenomenon to to watch because I think the the this race is unfolding uh, in front mm. of, of of our of our eyes and and there are obvious uh, interest uh, uh, especially national interests uh, around militaries succeeding to uh, to gain this this advantage but also and I think your example with the with the space travel and space flights is 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 very relevant the the private sector proves that it can be uh, very very quick and effective at innovation especially when the, the the proper funding is 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 available so yeah I think uh, this is something that we will, uh, uh, have to wait and see where where it goes, and then obviously there is a difference in terms of how much it is disclosed. Uh, the, the 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 private sector typically goes uh, to a more extensive length in terms of disclosing result results and publishing uh, various scientific uh, uh, research. As of usually the military uh, holds back uh, the most important right. parts because obviously that's where the competition advantage lies and and that's that's to be expected from them clearly yeah
1: so one of the big challenges with something like a bb-84 over any distance is um loss because if i create a photon that's entangled and send it to you it's a single photon and if if that photon gets over a, a cable those cables aren't zero loss they're low loss but they're not zero loss and you can't have a traditional repeater like we do in the in the binary space in the in the in the um, in the classical computing space. I can't just you know multiply the copies of it. So there's tricks and there's techniques that are involved that are done to allow it to travel um, over longer distances. And I'm not sure whether that means they found a workaround for the repeating capability, or it's more like when I generate the um, the qubit, not the qubit, the photon, the um, the photon. Instead of doing one of them, I do thousands of them, and I and I test measure them, and then only send the ones that measure in the same way. And that way, I can flood the circuit with the same the same photon. Uh, the problem is then I kind of invite man in the middle to be more. Uh, it, it doesn't make it as unique. So I haven't read depth deeply into how that, that problem is solved, um, but I think in order to get anything beyond a few meters, there's got to be some mitigating capabilities that that allow for that. And again, because of the no cloning property, they can't just simply say, okay, we'll just make 50,000 copies of this this photon in the same orientation. There's got to be some trick to it.
2: Yeah. And then uh, what what is also relevant with respect to the loss of the communication channel is that in order to mathematically have a proven secure process, depending on the types of of attacks that you want to avoid, you will uh, have to rely on a minimum number of of bits, of these these bit strings that you are uh, talking about, right? So for example, if you want to make sure that you are uh, avoiding with the probability of... uh, 99.9999% the intercept and resend attack, you will need to have bit strings of a length of at least 74 key bits. And then there are the other types of attacks, the one that we have discussed, like man in the middle or the photon number splitting attack, denial of service, and and other things, um, where uh, depending on what you want to prove that you avoid, there are different lengths and different uh, kind of uh, sequences, uh, lengths of sequences of key bits that you need to to do. So, bottom line is, um, it's not simple. I think you've you've no. you've you've said that quite quite well, Patrick. Um, and it's it's not easy to get to a process that is mathematically provable um, to be secure but on the other side it's not impossible either which is a huge promise in the field of of security right and by yeah. the way we mentioned the uh we mentioned a couple of times the the no cloning theorem uh which is actually uh, implied by another uh, famous theorem, which is the no communication theorem, and I, I think we will need to uh, allocate one of our episodes in the future to to discuss these because these are also some very interesting implications in in quantum computing, and they have other ramifications in quantum security as well. Yeah, and they're
1: building blocks. If, if we instead of looking at them as as obstacles, they're opportunities because what some people would say are limitations of quantum, like the fact that you can't copy and the fact are actually features that allow BB 84 to be a thing. And
2: so you've got to always look at the glass half full. Always, always. Yeah. Um, And then if you think about the more, the, the other theorem that I mentioned, the no communication theorem, right? This is where, uh basically we learned that that quantum entanglement um can not be used to send information with speeds higher than the speed of light, right? Because the first thing people have in their mind when they hear about entanglement is like, oh, and it works regardless of the distance. So that might be a way to send information at speeds faster than the speed of light. Well, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your angle, right? Um, No, The no communication theorem shows that actually that is not possible. So that's,
1: that's going to be a topic yeah. that we're going to discuss and you're going to lead that one because it still makes my brain hurt <laughs> 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 along with other people too. Um, I'm, I'm still holding out hope that, you know, Star Trek and Star Wars will come to the rescue and, and it, we can find faster than light communications, but I'll let you rain on that parade in a future episode. <laughs> okay. I think we've covered it. Um, anything else we want to do before we sign off?
2: No, I think episode? this this sums it up pretty pretty well, and even if uh, uh, our listeners are not into the nitty gritty details of BB84, I think um, in this episode we have painted a pretty accurate picture of a: it is possible to exchange information securely using uh, quantum and and quantum phenomena, and b. Uh, this is something that has already been practically implemented, has been proven. So it's not in the realm of wishful thinking or theory. This is something that it's already happening as we speak, which is equally important from my point of view. So one of the things that I do want to point
1: out is I've looked at this quite a bit, and the eye I've looked at it with is how an implementation of this could be flawed, and What I think happens is there's it is a very secure mechanism, but the devil's in the details. And so it's important that any implementation that uses this mechanism or a mechanism like it has to think about manipulations of all communications versus just one communication. So if you if you think about the middleman, Alice is typically it's typically Alice and Bob and Eve is the eavesdropper. We used um Patrick as the the communicator, Cyprian as the receiver, and Aaron as the uh the bad guy in this the eavesdropper. You have to think about all of the ways that Aaron could listen in and manipulate that communication and so uh perhaps if we dive into this again, we can go into those um the the things that would make an implementation of this more secure or less secure uh but that's a longer conversation,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, just one thing I wanted to add is that if you compare it to classical cryptography and security, the processes, the math, everything is much, much more complicated than in 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 classical, which opens many more potential doors for attacks as well. So that's that's also an angle that we need to to be aware of. Correct. All right, it was good talking to you, Cyprian. We'll see you next time. Absolutely. See you next time, Patrick.